to episode 16 of That's All I Know, a podcast full of perpetually curious, and a brand new person. Hello. Hello. Hi. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. I am Danielle's sister, and I'm a midwife, so help deliver cute babies and support families on their new journey. Nice. So I'm a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say that I'm really the only one in the family that doesn't have a proper job. <laughs> I just mess about with websites. Still a good job. Well, I enjoy it. It's not useful to anyone. <laughs> well, it is for people that need websites. Or want to listen to something interesting by listening to your podcast. Well, there you go. And I think I do have something very interesting today. Uh-huh. First of all, an update. As you've mentioned to me, yeah. Colin Pitchfork, yeah. from two episodes ago, has been recalled to prison. Shocker. So He didn't the, quite make it to the year you gave him. Was it a year or six months? Either way, it was very generous. Yes. <laughs> generous indeed. So he was released on the 1st of September and returned to prison on the 16th of November for breaching the conditions of his licence. Or... If you're in the US, a parole violation, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's reported to have approached young girls while out on walks several times and tried to use breathing techniques to deceive a polygraph test. Polygraph tests are part of his, like, one of the conditions. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't think they stood up, like, legally. But. I mean, I'm not really sure what the what the purpose of them is but it's yeah. one of the conditions he was released with 40 conditions yeah most lot. people have about four and murderers usually have about seven wow <laughs> so it does kind of beg the question why they let him out in the first place if he needed 40 40 terms to, to stick by yeah i guess maybe their their argument is they're being very cautious yeah because a lot of people kicked off about it so they're just yeah. like covering all their bases and I suppose it worked in that he didn't commit any new crimes. Which is a relief. But he managed to, like, intercept yeah. him doing it sounded like stuff. he was on his way to it. Yeah. Um, Dawn Ashworth's mum says she's pleased he's back inside and won't have a chance to commit any more crimes. Okay. Which, yeah, fair enough. Um, and yeah, the parole board will decide whether he should be re-released and if he shouldn't, what kind of prison he'll be in. Hmm. Which I think I read will be about six months. So he'll be back in for six months and then they'll see. Yeah. But the detective who caught him still thinks he should never be released, so. Mm, yeah. Maybe. I did question, but I suppose, you know, they, uh, the authorities, if you like, would have to be shown to be trying to rehabilitate people, you yeah. know. So, yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, at this point, I feel like he's had his chance. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Let's not give him another one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's your update, <laughs> which was a sooner one than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> and on to this episode, I have for you an international woman of mystery. Hmm. Really? Hmm. Who could that be? 
I mean, it makes it sound like it's something to do with like Wonder Woman or something. Yeah. But I'm guessing it's not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No? No. So this is, I mean, it would have been very nice if we'd recorded the other day, because we were supposed to record on Monday, which was exactly 51 years after this whole mystery starts. Right, okay. On the 29th of November 1970, a woman's body was found by hikers in Isdal on the outskirts of Bergen in Norway. Mm-hmm. Also known as Ice Valley or Death Valley because of course it is. Right. Because every one of these mysteries has to have dead or death in the name of yeah. the place. <laughs> uh, she was lying on her back, her clothes and the front of her body were burned beyond recognition. And she was surrounded by her belongings. Hmm. She had clothing, including a woolen jumper, nylon stockings and rubber boots. Not on her, around her. What? Jewellery and accessories, including a pair of earrings, a scarf, a watch, a ring, a purse and an umbrella. Two plastic water bottles. An empty alcohol bottle. Um, what could have been a passport cover, but no passport. And they found ash and like remnants of burnt paper, um, a matchbox, and a fur hat covered in petrol. Right. Now the problem with that is that according to all of the police reports, there was no fire. No fire. But yeah, she was burned. One of the detectives says that when he went there, there was a campfire there. But all of the police reports say there was no fire. Like, they make a point of mentioning that there was no fire. Right. So, who knows How what's odd. true. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose if if they just didn't mention that there was a fire... You're like, well, that seems obvious. Why bother mentioning it? Yeah. But if they specifically mention that there wasn't one... Then, it, yeah, it's odd. But yeah, this one guy was like, yeah, there's a fire. And it's a bit strange how, like, all of her belongings were kind of around her. So whoever's done this to her is obviously not taken, like, her, you know... Yeah. Her valuables or whatever. Mm. The jewellery and everything is still there. Yeah. And the watch that was there was set to ten past ten, which is the smiley time. Right. Which is what all the new watches in shops were set to. Mm-hmm. So they don't know if it was used, like she never actually used it, and it just coincidentally stopped at that time. But you know, could have been a new watch. Yeah. Um, all of her belongings had the labels cut out of them. And anything that could have been used to identify her removed. So, like, the labels on the bottles have been removed. Right. So they've got no idea who she is. It's a really remote little place where hardly anyone ever goes, and they've got this woman in these very strange circumstances and no idea who she is. Hmm. So, obviously, they want to find that out. And I suppose in them days they didn't really, I forget what what year was when they started looking at 
DNA evidence and things like that. But I don't know if it was as far back as that or not, maybe. I was watching a Netflix thing the other day and they was talking about it. Um, I can't remember when it was. That was 80s. 80s, yeah. Mm. So this was 70s, you said? 1970. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, obviously the first thing they want to do is find out who this woman is. And three days later, they get some more clues. Okay. At Bergen Railway Station, they find two suitcases. One of which contains a pair of sunglasses with her partial fingerprint. Right. So they still don't know who she is, but she knows that. They know that that belongs to her. And in there, in the lining of one of the suitcases, they find five 100 Deutschmark notes, which is worth about 760 quid now. So mm-hmm. not nothing. Yeah. Fair amount that's just carrying around. Um, as well as 135 Norwegian kroner, which is just over 100 quid, um, and some Swiss, Belgian, and British coins. Wow, so quite a few currencies there then. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Which in itself it was like, where, where's she been? Where's she yeah. been to all these places? Yeah, she's got little little bits of change from a few places. Uh, they also found clothes, shoes, um, a sewing kit from a hotel in Switzerland. Okay. Uh, some wigs, some makeup, and other cosmetics. A spoon. A bit random. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe she don't like using the hotel cutlery. She's not got a full set. She's just got a spoon. Just a spoon. Mm. (laughs) Um, Prescription eczema cream and non-prescription glasses. Mm. As well as some maps, some timetables and a notebook containing coded messages. Hmm. Very interesting. All of the identifiers on these things have been removed, including her name and other prescription information yeah. from the Green. I mean, when you say she had wigs in the suitcase and everything, mm-hmm. it makes it sound like, and, and then all the notes were, maybe she was, um, I don't know, maybe she was kind of putting on alternative um, like personas and things, mm. you know? Yeah. Or maybe running from someone. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, so all of this, they've got all of this stuff that they know belongs to her. They just still don't know who she is. Yeah. Uh, The only thing that they found in all of that that got them anywhere near finding out who she was is that there was a shopping bag in one of the suitcases that led police to a shoe shop. They went to the shoe shop and spoke to the employees there. Yeah. Uh, one of them remembered selling rubber boots to this woman. Hmm. I mean, that's quite a fit. I mean, I guess it's a remote village, but mm-hmm. I used to, as you know, work in a shoe shop when I was back in my six one days. Now, I wouldn't be able to tell you which shoes I sold, you know, to people at the end of the day. But I guess in that quieter part of town, they must have um, been able to keep more of a track of it. Yeah, so... I guess a combination of it being you know, not as busy. Yeah. But she also seemed to be sort of noteworthy. Right. To quite a lot of people. 
Um, so yeah, those rubber boots are presumably the ones that were found with her body. Yeah. But the person in the shop didn't know who she was. It's just a woman that they sold boots to. Yeah. So it seemed like a like a lead. It seemed like it would get them somewhere, and it didn't. Uh, so they put out an appeal for information. And they find that she was last seen alive on the 23rd of November. Okay. She checked out of a hotel in Bergen, paid in cash, and ordered a cab. And between that and her body being found, they don't know what happened to her. Yeah. Um, presumably, she went to the station to drop her suitcases there. But between the 23rd of November and the 29th of November, no idea what happened. Mm. They don't know when she died. Yeah. Um, because it turns out, the thing that they do on every episode of CSI, where they're like, she's been dead for eight hours. She's I was going to say. Days. Turns out, <laughs> they can't actually do that. Oh, I thought it was a thing. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a letdown. Yeah, apparently it's not, so they don't actually know how long she was dead, dead for before she was found. Hmm. Oh well. Hmm. Not much to go on there. No. So they couldn't really see her face and all that, right? Yeah. And they found her body. But hotel staff described her as good looking, said she had dark brown hair, brown eyes, she was about five foot four. Okay. Um, they said she generally sort of kept to herself and stayed in her room and seemed Kind of cautious. Hmm. hmm. Which again could be what I said before about perhaps somebody she knew someone was after her. Yeah. Yeah. Does hmm. seem a little bit like that. Um, after decoding the entries in her notebook, they found it wasn't the only hotel in Bergen that she'd stayed at. And they managed to talk to a few more witnesses at different hotels. Um, it turns out the coded messages were not so much coded messages. Um, it just sort of corresponded to, um, oh, I forget the format of it, but I think it was basically just her own shorthand for like the date and the city that she was staying in. Right. Um, so yeah, it wasn't so much a code as just shorthand, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they found she stayed in a few other hotels and... By talking to other hotel staff and guests, they found that she would often change rooms around after checking in. So there was one room where she would put the chair from her room outside in the hallway. Okay. And somewhere else where, like, she moved a table in the room to be, like, against the door and stuff like that. And, like, one of the... I think it was a maid that they spoke to that was like, every time she'd go in the room, she'd put it back where it was supposed to be, and then the next time she went in, it would be moved back to the same place. Hmm, how strange. Yeah, so she was known to do that in multiple places. Um, she told hotel staff that she was a travelling saleswoman um, and an art dealer, that sort of area. Yeah. That's what she told people. Some people heard her speak German. Others say she spoke Flemish, and a couple of other people said she spoke English, but with a foreign accent. 
as in not an English accent and not a Norwegian accent. Right. I think there was also a person or two who said they heard her speaking French. Hmm. But no one can agree on what language she spoke. So it lends to the to the clue title of International Woman of Mystery, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know where she's from, you know, what her actual language is or anything. Mm. Um, people said she wore wigs, as they have in the sequences, mm-hmm. and said she smelled garlic, which is why the guy from the shoe shop remembered her. Oh, Because she's okay. like a, a really pretty, well-together, yeah. well-put-together woman who stinks of garlic. <laughs> Maybe she likes Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> they also managed to trace some of her movements outside of Bergen. They found that she'd stayed in three other cities in Norway and in Paris under at least eight different aliases, meaning okay. she had at least eight different passports. Wow. It must have been easy to get a fake passport in the 70s then. Must have been. On all of the check-in forms at the hotels, her names, birthdays, occupations, all of that were all different. Um, well, the occupation is the same some of the times, but yeah. she always had different names, always had different birthdays. But she always put her nationality down as Belgian. Right. The forms though always filled out in German or French which the French would make sense if she was Belgian yeah um, but they determined from her handwriting that she'd been educated in France which you is can another tell thing that about... yeah right, I, that's okay. another thing I didn't know they could do so you know like when you're learning to write in yeah. primary school basically you like trace letters yeah um, apparently the way that you do that and the way that like those trace letters are taught varies from country to country, so it's it's not that hard to tell what country someone's oh, from okay. by how they write. I imagine that French writing is more like italic and a bit more fancy looking maybe then. I don't know. <laughs> you imagine that of the French. Hmm. Well <laughs> I don't know. That's what, what comes to me when I think of you know, if that was the case of different writing from different places. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they could tell. She was educated in France. Um, they also gathered from witnesses that she had a gap between her front teeth and she had a lisp. I was about to say how on earth would they know about the lisp, but I suppose that they're saying about when she spoke to the hotel staff mm-hmm. or what have you, they heard that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Because of all these passports and her staying in different countries and being from either France or Belgium, and they've got no idea who she is, uh, Interpol got involved. Um, They had sketches done and the sketches and descriptions of her were circulated around Europe. Right. But they still never identified her. Wow. So we're none the wiser about who she is. Or about how she died. 
obviously they find her in this room, so that's it. Yeah. So they perform her an autopsy. I was gonna say, is there not is there not was there not any other signs of like, you know, somebody else being there or having done something to her? So what they found is that she had fifty to seventy sleeping pills in her stomach. A fair amount. Yeah. And she had soot in her lungs, which means oh. she was burned alive, which is the worst yeah. thing you can imagine. Definitely. Uh, they also found bruising on her neck, but they don't really know what caused it. Like they think maybe it could have been like a fall or a blow or something, but they're not yeah. actually sure. Um, but it wasn't like strangulation bruising. Right, okay, yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, so they determined the cause of death to be a barbiturate overdose and like from the superfluous and um, carbon monoxide poisoning from the fire. Which seems weird when she was outside. Yeah. I guess fire's very close to her. Yeah. Um, and they ruled it a suicide. So they think that she, she basically doused herself in petrol and set herself alight. Yep. But why would she do that naked though? I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna, that would not be the way, would it? No, not at all. Like just surely the seventy sleeping pills would do it. Well, yeah. Why would you add fire to the bits? Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, they wrote a suicide. And if she had that many pills, she would be drowsy as hell. So how would she have then been able to be awake enough and unaware enough? Of herself to actually mm. then set herself on fire. Well, yeah, because if you think, how long would it take to take 70 pills? Surely the first ones would be having an effect. Yeah. By the time you get to the last one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, one of the um, detectives who saw the scene sort of described it as like, you know, it didn't look like an accident. Yeah. There are some people that are like, Maybe she was just sitting by the fire and caught on fire. Yeah. And it was but then it accident. goes back to the thing of them saying that there wasn't a fire. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, she had gold fillings, so they kept her teeth in her jaw. So they could probably... Oh, okay. um, As you do. No. <laughs> no, it was so that they could identify her later on. Yeah. Um, and they took tissue samples from her organs as well yeah um and buried her in an unmarked grave hmm how sad for her family out there that obviously didn't know well they oh i didn't write it down i think it was a zinc coffin i might be making that up but whatever it was um it was so that her remains would be preserved and so right. that it would be easier to dig her back up again if she was identified and okay. allow her family to bury her somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but because she used saints' names on her check-in forms at hotels, they gave her a Catholic burial. Okay. Uh, they took pictures in case her relatives were found and wanted them, I suppose. Seems a weird I thing mean, for them to do. I mean, would your but... family want pictures of you burnt to a crisp? No, not, not of her body, of the funeral. Oh, I see. Right, sorry. I thought you meant of her. <laughs> I was going to say that's a bit 
A bit crazy. No, for funeral. Right, okay, that makes sense. Um, and it was attended only by Bergen police officers. Okay. I think 12 of them. Which, yeah, you're like, someone, somewhere, surely, knew her. Yeah. Bit sad that it's only police that are there. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's as much as they get. They determine how she died. They still don't know who she is. So, of course, with any unsolved mystery, we have theories. Yeah. And there are loads of them with this. So, all the passports lead, really, to government agency or organised crime. Yeah. And we're talking Cold War, so people are all over the spy side of things. Of course, yeah. And it turns out that a lot of her movements coincided with missile trials oh, by the really? Norwegian Armed Forces. Wow. Which were top secret at the time. But we know about now. Yeah. Um, and there's a fisherman, or a guy who was a local fisherman at the time, who saw her talking to a naval officer and says that they had quite a lengthy conversation. Yeah. So not just like a casual passerby, yeah. hi, how you doing, how's your day, kind of convo. Yeah, like she's yeah. in this military area where really no one should be yeah. having quite a long conversation with a naval officer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe some spying business going on there. Yeah. And so that adds up with the weeks and... You know, the, all the aliases and the different passports. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and over the years, you know, this is over 50 years ago. So in that time, other bits of information have come out. Uh, yeah, in 1991, a taxi driver who picked her up from a hotel. Oh, he popped up today. Yeah, he couldn't oh. be found at the time of the investigation. So hmm. while they were looking for information, I don't know where he was. But he said that they picked up a man on the way to the station. Right. Now, I couldn't find out any more information about this man. But they picked up a man. Okay. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because there's six days between her last being seen and her being found dead. Yeah. But the last time she was seen alive, she was with another person. Yeah. And there were quite a few people that saw her with another man. Whether they're all the same man that people saw her with, um, several people did mention seeing her with with a man. Yeah. Um and it didn't always sound like it seemed like a friendly relationship. Um, like they obviously knew each other, but it's not like like witnesses didn't necessarily think that they were like together or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they never they've not identified who this man was that she was with any of these times. Yeah. Which, I don't know, maybe if people had reported it at the time, 
Yeah. They might have found some easier. But yeah, I guess if no one comes forward until 20 years later, it's going to be very hard to find yeah. that person. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. In 2005, a sea captain who lived in the area came forward to say that he thought he'd seen her a week before she was found. What a recollection to come up with all them years later. Well, he didn't really just come up with it all them years later. He didn't go to police straight away, but he did mention it to a friend of his who was a police officer. Right. And what he told that friend is that he saw people coming up the mountain, which was, you know, you know generally quiet enough that it was noteworthy to see someone. Yeah. And those people they saw were a woman followed about 20 metres behind by two men. Another man in the picture now. Yeah, and he says they all had dark hair, looked maybe Southern European, definitely not Norwegian, definitely not Scandinavian. Yeah. And none of them were dressed for hiking. They looked like sea types, not yeah. mountain types. Yeah. Um, he said she looked scared, and he thought she was going to speak to him, but like she looked as if she was going to speak to him. Yeah. But she didn't. And although they were not together and were like 20 minutes behind her, he's sure that she knew they were behind her. Right. And that they were following her. Um, he didn't go to police straight away, as I say, but did tell a friend who basically told him to forget about it because it was an international case, it was like above their pay grade, and it would never be solved. Lovely. Yeah. And there were quite a few um, detectives or like relatives of detectives who kind of say that they were not allowed to investigate how they wanted to and that the case was closed too quickly and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, he saw her the week before. So she she was a lot seen alive the next day. It's not like he saw her being led to her death, but yeah. he might have seen her with the people responsible for it. Well, this is it. If she looked scared, you know, then you got to think. Well, what? Who? Who were they men? And what mm. were they doing with her? What were they doing following her? Yeah. I mean, it could be that they were going to kill her the, the day that he saw them but because, but he'd, didn't, seen because them. he'd seen them yeah. yeah but then if that's the case it seems stupid that they would do it in the same place yeah a week later yeah i mean it could by some weird chance just be a completely different woman that he saw but it would be very strange for that to be the yeah case. bit of a big coincidence that would be yeah uh, so the case was reopened in 2016, at which point the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation, NRK, commissioned six new sketches and they were circulated again. Mm-hmm. In 2017, they managed to put her jaw through some testing and looked at her teeth and they managed to figure out where she was from. 
Good old forensics. Mm. Yes. So they found that she was born between 1926 and 1934. Wow. Okay. Meaning that she was like late 30s, early 40s at the time of her death. Mm-hmm. Even though every time she checked into places, she put her birth, her date of birth down as making her like 25-ish. Yeah. Because um, she was probably about 15 years older than she said she was. Yeah. Uh, she was born in or near Nuremberg. Okay. And moved to France or Belgium or like the French-German border as a kid. Um, which I find it interesting that they can tell that. That is interesting. But I can tell by dating like the minerals and stuff in your teeth. Mm. I don't fully understand it. No, I don't get that. <laughs> But, yeah, from from what they can tell by when certain teeth developed and when her jawbone developed and stuff like that, what her teeth and her jaw made of her okay. can tell them where she grew up and what kind of environment and then narrow it down to where, what places match what the environment must have been. Hmm, that's clever. Yeah, so they can figure out where she was born and where she grew up. Which yeah, if she moved to France or to the border, then it explains why she writes like a French kid. Yeah. They sort of I don't know, figured out that her dentistry was probably done in East Asia, Central or Southern Europe or South America. Right. Which is not nearly as narrowed down as no, Nuremberg. Not at all. <laughs> but uh, gold fillings were unusual in the areas that they know she travelled to. Yeah. The only consistent information that she gave, remember, was that she was Belgian. Yeah. And looks like that might not have been true either. So she could have moved to Belgium as a kid. But she was not from there, and they're not certain that she grew up there either. So it seems weird that that would be the piece of information that she keeps giving, yeah. If it's not true, but they're not certain that it is true either. Which is kind of strange. Mm. Um, they've not drawn for DNA testing yet. They're not allowed. Um, Why are they not allowed? Well. For ethical reasons and for legal reasons that I don't know the details of, um, the police have not yet decided to try it. But there have been other crimes that have been solved by comparing DNA to commercial databases. Um, So yeah, they're kind of hopeful that they will do that at some point and it's possible that they'll find who she was through that. Yeah. But at the minute, they can't do it. So the last claim of who she might have been, someone that claims to have known her, was in 2019. And it's a Frenchman who says he thinks he was in a relationship with her in the summer of 1970. 
Right. He said she had a Balkan accent, spoke multiple languages, and refused to share personal details about herself, other than to claim that she was 26, and said she often made herself look younger than that. So it kind of fits the characteristics of what she was doing Mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. He says he found a selection of waste in her belongings Mm -hmm. and witnessed her taking scheduled calls from abroad. Mm. So it all sounds quite convincing. Yeah. So he suspected her of being a spy, which letting someone see you take scheduled calls seems sloppy if you are a spy. Yeah, 100%. but he was too scared to turn her in. And he kept a photo of her, which he took oh, from the Halloween's. Okay. So in 2019, when they, like when he came forward with this, um, they showed the photo that he had to witnesses in Norway. Yeah. It wasn't her. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the breakthrough. Like, yes, it was her. Okay. It wasn't her. So still, no idea who she is. People still investigating it. There's like a huge community of um, armchair detectives who are trying to yeah. find clues and figure out who she is, but no one knows. Wow. And she could have been a spy. She could have been, uh, like, there, there are some people that think that she might have been involved with, uh, like, terrorist organisations, um, which the thing that seems weird about that is her talking to that naval officer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some people think it's spy work, some people think it's crime, some people think... Um, she was an art dealer, but she was like an art thief or a courier for stolen art. Yeah. Um, which is why she had all these aliases, because she didn't get caught and arrested. Yeah. Um, but there are other things, like her check-in card at the last hotel that she stayed at was, like, I think kind of squibbly. Whereas the others were like nice or fancy yeah. handwriting. Um, so in a rush, maybe? Yeah, maybe. But yeah, there's that, and the fact that in the last couple of places that she stayed, like moving the furniture around in weird ways. and Yeah, that bit I don't really understand. Yeah. That is very odd. Yeah. There are a couple of things like that that made her stand out to people, which are like, if you're a spy, then surely you know that those things are going to make you stand out. Yeah, and you're meant to go like as under the radar as possible yeah. as a spy. Yeah. And I don't know, there are things like that that she only did in Bergen, which made me think, did she know she was in danger? And she did those things so that she would stand out, so that people would remember her. Yeah. And maybe remember who as she if was try- with. As if she was trying to leave a trail. Yeah. Yeah. Like if she knew that someone was going to kill her, and she makes sure that people notice her, then they notice who she's with, and maybe it lets them yeah. figure out 
who was killed her, but that didn't work because no yeah, one identified the guy she was with either. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work, did it? Yeah, I feel like maybe it's just it seems the exciting option, but I'm going with her being a spy. Yeah, I just think, as you say, there was a lot of things that she was doing that were not very spy-like. Mm. Um, but then, all turns, you know, there was a lot that would back up that theory. Yeah, I think she was definitely afraid of someone. It seemed like she was definitely, you know, scared and yeah. There are some people that are convinced she was involved with Mossad, Israeli intelligence. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's been anyone that's sort of been straight up like, no way. She couldn't mm-hmm. have been. Um, but they apparently had a lot more female spies than most other countries did at the time. Um, and their operatives did tend to have loads of identities. Yeah. Um, whereas the other theory that a lot of people had that she was a Russian spy, they spoke to, um, I think he was a former spy, who basically was like, if she was a Russian spy, she would only have had one or two identities. Yeah. And she wouldn't have had labels cut out of her clothes. If she was a Russian spy, she'd be wearing clothes either bought in Bergen yeah. or bought in Belgium. Yeah. To so back that, up her story. Yeah. yeah. So he was basically like, no, she's too sloppy to be a yeah. Russian spy. Yeah. Which makes sense. Mm. They also spoke to a guy who was a spy catcher. Which doesn't sound like a real thing. Um, yeah, no. It sounds like something <laughs> in a movie more than in real life. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he, you know, has obviously caught loads of spies and knows what to look for. And he thinks that she wasn't one. But uh, during the course of interviewing him, they told him some things that he had not previously been told. Right. Um, so he's sort of basing his opinion that she wasn't a spy off of incomplete information. Mm-hmm. And not because they found out that information since, like they knew information that they didn't tell him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, between all the police officers saying that they weren't allowed to investigate properly, and it's all a bit sketchy, isn't it? It being closed as a suicide pretty quickly. It seems like someone from the dick covered up. Yeah. Which makes it exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, yeah, there's a lot more detail in... There's a podcast called Death in Ice Valley, mm-hmm. which I've listened to all of. Like, over the weekend. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot more detail in there. It's very interesting. It is. But I must say, I do love a bit of true crime. And, mystery. Uh, but it is frustrating when, yeah, there's not like a, you know, a big, like, ending to it where they've found out who she is or mm. anything like that. Um, but it is amazing when you when you see these stories about how all these years later, they're then still being able to now look at forensics and, and find more clues and things. Mm. 
um, I think there's more and more coming out of like, you know, cases being reopened and yeah. really looked at. Well, yeah, they have those samples to DNA test on foreign relatives if they want to. Yeah. So, we'll see if anything ever comes of that, I suppose. Yeah. But for now, that's all I know about the Instar woman, as she's known. Interesting. Mm. We shall see if there are any updates <laughs> over the coming months. Maybe in two episodes' time, I'll be able to tell you this is who she was. Yeah. But yeah, it seems crazy that they know so much about her and her life. But just can't but figure don't out who, know she who she is. Yeah. Weird. Mm. There you go. I guess it shows you it is possible to be completely, you know, anonymous. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. <laughs> right. So I'm guessing Fact you time. want some facts. Yeah. So I'm keeping it to a topic that I know. Mm-hmm. So these are midwifery facts. Mm-hmm. Um, three of three of them, and obviously one is true. The others are false. So the first one is that the word midwife dates back to 1300. Mm -hmm. The second fact is that since 1991, May the 8th has been celebrated as International Day of the Midwife. Right. And the last one is that we are the only animal on the planet to have assisted births. Um, now... Quite good facts, I thought. They are good facts. <laughs> so there must be a midwife's day. Yeah. I just don't know if it's that day. Hmm. Only animal to have assisted births. I mean, we're a very incompetent species. <laughs> you do see... Well... Well, that sort of depends what you mean. As in, like, having other beings around you to support you during birth or what have you. But I mean, like, farmers, if their animals get into trouble giving birth, farmers will help their animals. Yeah, but I think it means, you know, of the same... Like the same species. species yeah. Okay. Um. Hmm. I am gonna say that we are the only ones that have assisted births. So that's what you're going for. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the truth was that the word midwife dates back to the th- to 1300 oh. to around 1300. So the International Day of the Midwife is actually May the 5th. Mm. Um, And in terms of the animal um, and assisted births, um, apparently the black snub-nosed monkey, um, although it typically gives birth at night, if it was to give birth during the day, other female monkeys will come to its aid Mm. and help birth the baby monkey. Hmm. Which I thought was very interesting. 
And that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we're not the only ones. Yeah, we're not the only ones that can't just manage themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, I might remember another wife's day now. Yeah. Might not. Quite easily could not. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the day after May the 4th, and everybody remembers May the 4th. Star Wars Day. Yes. Mm. Mm. But yeah, it's a yearly celebration of our profession, and we usually get, you know, managers come around with cakes and goodies and stuff to thank us for our... It's been so good at bonus. Bonus! <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we wish. Hmm, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Come back if you like. I will do. <laughs> well, till next time then. Um, thanks for listening. You can, as usual, find us on Twitter at DAOK Podcast, on Instagram at That's All I Know Podcast, and leave a little review if you like it. Don't if you don't. And I'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.